It brings me great pleasure to welcome you to the very first episode of Ophelia Talks, the official podcast of the Ophelia Theater Group. My name is Zach Rich. I'm the company manager at Ophelia, as well as your host for this audio program. Ophelia Talks is an interview podcast. I'll be sitting down with playwrights, actors, directors from Ophelia and other theater communities in the New York City area to pick their minds on the creative process of making some quality theater. Before diving to the episode at hand, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about some of the exciting things we have cooking up at Ophelia. We're starting off our 2017-2018 season at the end of the month with the first weekend of our new play festival titled With a Twist. We're bringing you four weekends of new variations of classic works. On September 29th for October 1st, you'll be able to catch a double billing of Love Unsought by the Astoria Music Project, as well as Skin of the Teeth by Anna Bleacher. The following weekend, October 6th through the 8th, will be Your Town, a homage to Thornton Wilder's Our Town by Joe Ferraro, and directed by Zach Rich, who is me. That will be followed up on October 13th through the 15th with Red Winter, a new version of A Winter's Tale written by Anthony Mercado and directed by Billy Aiken Tires, and the festival will be capped off with Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, directed and written by Dan Roberts. Following the play festival, we'll be hosting a spooky, scary Halloween-themed fundraiser featuring musical acts from around Astoria, raffle prices, and a couple of ghoulish surprises. <laughs> so... Please stay tuned for more information on that. My guest this week is Sarah Bennett, the executive director and founder of Ophelia, appropriately enough. We had a fantastic conversation about some of the early days of the group and a lot about what it's like to grow a theater company over nearly a decade and a half. We also chatted a bit about her writing process. She is credited with writing four shows produced by Ophelia, including last year's Some Night. I want to say a big ol' thank you to Fiend in Green for the use of our theme song. It's called Welcome to Enjoy off of their album Green Planet Adventures. You can hear that song and more at fiendingreen.bandcamp.com. That's enough out of me. Enjoy this first episode. My apologies if the audio sounds slightly rough at places. This was a new idea that I really wanted to act on, and we recorded going in kind of blind to how these things work. Uh, and then you're recording audio of yourself, and then you're realizing how often you say the word like, and uh, and guh, and duh, whatever. Have fun with the episode, enjoy your day, hopefully you'll hear from me next week. Enjoy. is on my lap and I'm terrified she's going to hop up on us at any time. Um, <laughs> oh, we can make her part of the show. Yeah, well, we'll definitely make her part of the show. Everyone loves animals. <laughs> um, so this is like the first episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. We have you on, Miss Sarah Bennett, who is the grand Pumbaa, as it were. Um, <laughs> is I, it Pumbaa or Pooba? It might be, I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something uh, to 
look up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like the Lion King a lot. Um, I I wanted to start this off because anyone that's listening at this point is either somebody that's heard of Ophelia, somebody that wants to get to know more about the company. One of the, one of the coolest things about this company, especially as I came aboard onto it, was that even though we've only been in New York for four years now, actually, uh, it's been. Six years. Okay, but we didn't that's part start. <laughs> right, yeah, we actually moved here six years ago, but we started producing shows at the Boys and Girls Club four years ago. Four years ago. Okay, yes. so we've had like four standard seasons in New York. Correct. But I think the thing that people don't know about this company, unless they see like the little established day on the bottom of our logo, is that we've been around for fourteen years now. Yeah, fourteen. That's insane, <laughs> especially for like a theater company. Yeah. Uh, fourteen years is a long time. Yep. Tell me a little bit about why did you decide to start a company in the first place? What was like the the hook that told you, hey, we could produce this stuff ourselves? Well, as a lot of people know, I started out uh, as a playwright. So I was writing my own stuff from the time I was in high school. Actually, even before that, I was writing sketches when I was, you know, eight, nine years old. And by the time I was in high school, I was writing full-length shows. Right out of high school, I started producing some of my work for the high school I had just graduated from. And it was really great because I was given the opportunity by the administration of my high school to make them a part of their season, really, my, my originals. And one of the conditions of that was that I basically had to produce them myself. Um, the budget that I was given was next to nothing. Mm. And um, obviously I was given the space, which was almost everything I needed, and then also access to the kids who were actively involved in drama club and the drama classes and so on and so forth. But other than that, I was on my own to make sure that these shows happened. So I did that for three years right out of high school. I, I produced a show in 2001, 2002, and 2003 at the beginning. Um, and then by that time, by the time I, and they were musicals. So by the time I was you done... You wrote the musicals? I wrote you? the lyrics. Okay. Yes. Okay. I wrote the lyrics to the music. My partner, Jeff, did the, uh, did the music. Gotcha. So uh, anyway, so after producing three full-length musicals that I had written and developed and produced and directed, by the summer of 2003, I was sitting on another idea, and the high school was getting busy with other projects, and they didn't really have room for me like they had had in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, by golly, I'm going to do this myself, because I had basically learned how to, how to at least get by. That's so cool. I... It's dawning on me now that, like, I don't know any of this stuff either. <laughs> um, so that's exciting for me right. because these are a bunch of questions I've been wanting to ask and never had. I don't even know, like, it's, there's always been a fine moment because we've been friends for years now, but I've just been like, it suddenly dawned on me. What was the uh, basis of the name of the company? What brought you to Ophelia? Because obviously we know the character it's based on, but mm -hmm. uh, I've never known why Ophelia was the name of the company. Well, the reason why, and it's actually kind of a, a crazy story, um, the, the short and easy answer is that I grew up in Lake Elsinore, California. And so I always thought it was cute that I came from a place called Elsinore, and I thought, well, you have a name like that, you have to, if you're in the theater arts, you have to pay homage to Hamlet somehow. Sure. And I always thought that Ophelia was a beautiful name, and I thought, well, you know, Ophelia Theater Group just sort of rolls off the tongue. And I, I actually come up with that name 
years before I started the company, just because I thought it was such a pretty name, and I thought the correlation to Elsinore and theater was really nice. Something that diddle on the margins of your books. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, that. I think I was 14 or 15 when I first came up with the concept of having a, a theater company called Ophelia. Um, and then when I was ready to pull the trigger, that name was already ready to go, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of cool. I mean, a, a very strange thing that happened... Um, I had a dream when I was in high school, probably about this age, 15, 16 years old, of walking down a sidewalk and seeing a a chalkboard sandwich board on the sidewalk that said Ophelia Theater Group performing here. Mm -hmm. And um, it took about, I don't know, two or three years after I established Ophelia, the mother of one of our members actually bought us a sandwich board that said Ophelia Theater Group and had just put it out in front of the place that we had rented just to kind of show me and I walked up and I saw it and it was like one of those dream fulfillment I mean I'll never forget that moment because she had no idea that I'd had that dream when I was 15 years old (laughs) but it was very strange that you know I think this was probably seven eight years after I had that dream that there it was right in front of me on a sidewalk so that was pretty bizarre and wonderful and beautiful all at once that's really touching yeah that's so cute cute? um okay so the company started 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like a couple of years out of high school for you. What were some of the early trials and tribulations of like starting a theater company? How did you like spread word out? Look at performance venues? How does a young theater company, especially out in California, get its basis? Well, basically, I mean, because I was the oldest member of the company and I was 21. So everybody who was involved pretty much were still in high school. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to be involved because a lot of them I had met from producing the shows that I had produced from you know the high school and friends from high school. I mean, my friend Chris Campbell I actually went to high school with, and he mm-hmm. was one of my first members. My brother Micah was one of the first members. John Hoffman, who's still a member of our company, one of our first members. I was just kind of calling them up and saying, hey guys, do you want to do this with me? And they were like, yeah, sure. You know, we, we all had a good time together. And my parents, who were unbelievably supportive and happened to live on some acreage, opened up their backyard for rehearsals. And, you know, mm-hmm. in California, we could rehearse year-round in a backyard, which was pretty cool. So that was there. But, I mean, clearly it was difficult finding a venue. Uh, we started out by renting uh, middle school and, and elementary school auditoriums. And then, you know, having to find insurance policies and things like that will cover us. All these things that had never occurred to me before I had to start my own company um, a DBA and a bank account and all of these things from that age you know was just it was brand new and I had to figure it all from from scratch especially right. in the arts it's not a typical business to start so a lot mm. of things were a little out of the ordinary when we first started people would pitch in we would work with kids and do workshops and so the workshop fees would actually cover for a lot of expenses because we were kind of uh, coming off the coattails of really an educational system at that time. Because everybody was, everyone, most of the company were minors yeah. um, who were still in school. So, I mean, that helped. And the, the local school district was really supportive. We had support from the local women's club, historical society. There was a, a company called the Elsinore Valley Arts Network that put us in touch with a cultural center in the heart of town. Um, So we were able to rent that for really cheap a couple times, so that really helped. But as far as, like, I mean, a memory I'll never forget, as far as a hurdle right from the get-go 
was opening night of our very first show. It was an original show that I had written called Spotlight Hotel. It took place in 1947. It was based on a lot of my favorite like movies from that era where it was a hotel that housed performing artists and all of the drama that happened between like 14 different very colorful characters. I just, I have a problem. I write huge casts. I always have. Anyway, it was a lot of fun and we rehearsed like crazy for two months and we, I don't know what, I still don't remember what possessed me to open the show on a Thursday. But uh -huh. we opened the show on a Thursday, and uh -oh. I don't remember exactly how many cast members were in Spotlight Hotel, but I do remember that we had seven people in the audience, and I, I'm pretty sure that the cast was double that. So, <laughs> from, so from the most humble beginnings, playing to a crowd of half a dozen... The Ophelia Theater Group put on its That first was opening show. night. That was opening night. <laughs> and I came home and I quite literally bawled in my bathroom. And I'm not a big crier. And especially back then, I never cried. I just mm -hmm. thought it was tough stuff. So I never cried about anything back then. I came home and I cried in my bathroom like I had failed. And then, of course, the way things work, the next day, the place was packed because yeah. it was a Friday night. And that's when everybody's friends and parents. That's, and, that's the word of mouth setting. The, yes, exactly. I mean, and to this day, I, I refuse to open on a Thursday. It's it's almost a superstition now. <laughs> it, it, yeah, more or less. Like when, when you have your first show and you get seven people. of people. <laughs> That is that's really funny. Yeah. So then you were in, you were making theater and everything for like eight years mm -hmm. in California. Yeah. What are some of like the highlights of producing back in your hometown? Because obviously you've been in California longer than you've been in New York. There must have been some awesome high points for all. Of oh that. yeah, for sure. I mean, it was really nice because for the first couple of years we it was. Just, you know, it was like a, a fun group of friends where if we came up with an idea, it's like, hey, let's do this. And then we would just do it. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Just uh, for future assurances, because you're kind of moving your mouth back and forth. Just I have try to, to keep like a more I have precise to line to the mic. Because it's make, picking up everything. Make make love to the microphone. More or less. <laughs> yes. Um, ooh, All right. There I am spiking. Yeah. So okay. just be my I'll obviously edit that out. But, That's fine. Um, what were we talking Good about? Good note. Yes. Oh, no, just some of the high points of producing in California. Yes, um, give me some of those high points. Well, I mean, we were all kind of growing together. So, you know, we started out by doing Spotlight Hotel, which was an original. And then we started doing just like shows that, that people would be passionate about. They would come to me with them, like friends, basically, and say, hey, what do you think of this? And if it made sense, and if it's something that I could get excited about too, we would just put things in plan, put the plan in motion. Um, and we would do it on our own timeline because everybody else, you know, we still had our own lives. People were going to school. People were starting to go off to college and, and all of that. But we started one fun tradition that we had was a, a variety show called Ophiliatrics that we named <laughs> Ophiliatrics. And that was kind of a fun thing that we did where everybody could kind of take a like a musical, anything from a musical number to a funny sketch. We had really funny hosts who had a lot of comedic background and mm -hmm. that sort of thing and it would just bring everybody together so that was a lot of fun it was definitely like the kind of community oriented fair that went over really well in our hometown sure sure so that it was fun doing that but then as we kept growing our ambition grew i remember in 2008 i don't know what we were thinking was it 2008 it might have been yeah, no, it, it was 2008. So after we decided to do, uh, we did Twelfth Night in 2006, 
in the cultural center and that was a lot of fun and I feel like that was kind of the beginning of like the a, a new chapter for Ophelia we were just getting sharper our stuff was getting better and so after that I decided to get really ambitious and we did uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That was, uh, it was enormous cast. It was almost 40 people involved. In I the mean, cast? Yes. My it God. was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely insane. I know that show has like a, a Titanic size cast. Yeah, it's huge. Well, I mean, you got the Seven Brides, the Seven Brothers and the Seven Suitors and then you have village people on top of that. And You're like, yeah, let's do it. And we've never been a heavy dance company. And so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know I, I look back on my time with Ophelia, and I don't know how insane I could have possibly been at certain times. <laughs> but that was a very, very huge undertaking, and it got the attention of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So after that, we actually got invited to do a show for Temecula, uh, the Temecula Playhouse, which was actually brand new. It was this huge 150-seat theater that had just been built in Temecula, which Temecula is a couple of cities over from like Elsinore, and it's okay. it's bigger. It's it's like the hub of wine country in our general valley, basically. Sure. Okay. And that's where we did um, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, and that was. The most expensive show that we've ever done, and it was one of the most gratifying shows we've ever done. It was it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. Uh, we got seen by a lot of people, and it it felt a little bit like with that show where we were in that place and time, we weren't going to have the opportunity to do to outdo that where we were in California. Okay, so now you're taking into my next question: How did things get to New York? You woke up one day and said, I'm too big for this town. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that it really wasn't even that. I mean, I loved doing theater there. I didn't really think... that Moving the company to New York was never really the plan. It okay. wasn't something that I had thought about. In fact, if somebody had, had suggested it early on, I would have said, no, 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 no. You know, we're, we're a California company. You know, we're never going to leave. Mm-hmm. But just kind of the way life happened, uh, a handful of our members decided to move to New York. They loved New York. They wanted to see what it was like to live out here. So I came out to visit. And after visiting, I fell in love with New York. I had never been here. I, I had traveled a lot growing it's up. It's crazy how I'd that never works, been right? I, I visited a friend for a week right after college, and I was like, I gotta move here. Like, just after a week of being here. Yes. It's weird how they kind of sets in on you. It's like, I gotta be in the city. Yep. Uh, if it was part of your plan or not. I went to college for musical theater, so like, the climate in any college for musical theater is like, you gotta get to Broadway. Right. Uh, and... <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll stay and do local shows for a little while. Then I visited for a week. I slept on a friend's chaise lounge. Not even his couch. Like, a chaise lounge, <laughs> I just, like, my feet were dangling the entire time. I had, you like, have a back. crook in your neck. I had a crook in my neck. I had back issues for a week. Beginning of the end. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's crazy how just quickly some people can fall in love with the city. And it's crazy how people will be like, never, ever. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, for you, it was just kind of, like, a love at first sight with the city. It was, yeah. I was here for 10 days visiting. And in those 10 days... I really just fell in love with it. And what clicked in my head, it was a few things. I mean, Ophelia was was changing a lot. Mm-hmm. My life was changing a lot. And then coming out here and just realizing that I had never lived anywhere but Lake Elsinore, California my whole life. And if I was going to do it, you know, that was the time. I was 29 when I moved here. And uh, I'm really happy I did. But basically how that all went was I I came home and I told a couple of key members of 
of Ophelia, I said, hey, listen, I think I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to move the company with me. Mm-hmm. Do you want to come? And there were a couple who said, yeah, sure, right away. I mean, amazingly, just said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And then another good handful that said, are you crazy? As you would imagine, like, like no, you, we can't just move to New York. And what was funny about it is that my, my response was, why not? Particularly because this was right on the heels of the really horrible crash that we had that we that California got hit with really bad in 2008 we got hit really really bad oh so the the financial the financial yes, yeah yes. yeah it was really really bad so you know everybody was struggling and moving back home with their parents and it was just it was not pretty it wasn't pretty anywhere but Southern California got really really hit hmm. and so so many of us were in this age range and in this place in life where we didn't have a whole lot to leave in California, especially if we were all going to go together. The thing that we were really using most of our free time on was Ophelia. And if Ophelia was moving, we thought, well, hey, and the way I pitched it was we could go for a year. And if we don't like it, we'll just come home and we'll be kind of in the same place as we were before. So it just turned into this big adventure. And so a huge crew of us wound up moving out within about a year. So it was about... If I remember the stories right, like 14 people moved out yeah. the same time you did. Just- yeah, well, I think, I don't know exactly. The timeline's a little interesting. The first handful came out uh, a year and change before we did, and that, that was four of them. Mm-hmm. And then the next big group, I think there was like eight of us, like all within like six weeks of each other uh, at the beginning of 2011. And then, you know, like, you know, we had like three or four come in within the year after that. So yeah. when we when it all was said and done, people from California living in New York who all were, had worked together in Ophelia at the same time was about 14, 15 people. All that's around. that's an incredible migration for, <laughs> for a group of any size, yeah. for a theater company at that. Like, it, it, it's impressive to see like a, a tight-knit group of people decide to go on a brand new journey together. It's really impressive. It's it's very cool. So you're all out in New York. And was there like a, much of a culture shock, obviously? Because like you're in a new climate. You're in a new environment. I grew up in upstate New York. And I think I, when, when I first visited New York, I felt like I had moved to a different country. Like I think, I think the thing that made me realize I wasn't in Kansas anymore was every time I like bought a soda from my bodega, they gave me a straw. <laughs> right, little things like it's, that. It's the weird things like that. And I imagine for you guys, it's also like, hey, it gets cold and there's this white stuff that falls from the sky three months of the year. <laughs> what was what was the big shocks to you moving all the way across the country and ended up in the most urban environments in the country. Yeah, well, I mean, as you can imagine, there were so many. I mean, you know, where we were from in, in California, it's not like we were moving from L.A. We were moving from suburbia. Yeah. Um, so it was even, it was doubly uh, a culture shock and not just a, a West to East kind of thing. But yeah, little things. I remember we a big group of us came out just for a vacation the summer before we actually moved to kind of scope out the neighborhood and things like that. And my friend Layla uh, called Brittany when she and I were out and about together because she saw that it was starting to get rainy. And this is in the middle of summer. It started to get like cloudy and rainy. Yeah. And she called Brittany to ask her if she could borrow a sweater. And <laughs> Brittany, <laughs> and Brittany said, "You can, but you're not gonna need it because in Southern California, when it's raining, it's cold. You yeah. know what I mean? If it, if it gets cloudy and gray and rain starts coming down, that means that it's gonna be you know frigid and you're gonna shiver. And it's not like that in New York. I mean, it just it can be in the middle." 
middle of July and suddenly gets dark and gray and <laughs> right. it's raining and it's right. still 85 degrees. So little things like that. But the, yeah, definitely, I think the walking culture as opposed to the driving culture. I mean, Californians are known for being drivers. Yes. I mean, We've all seen the SNL skits. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's not even a joke. That's That's for real. So walking everywhere, which is one of the things I love about it. I love one day I remember not long after we all moved here walking down Dittmar's Avenue and uh, just running into Jamie who's washing windows at a restaurant she just got hired at and saying oh hey Jamie how you doing? <laughs> yeah. And that kind of small town feel in a big city it wasn't what we necessarily expected. You think big city big city. But it's the smallest place in the world. Yes you see it you run into people everywhere. And my, my favorite story like that I had a high school crush I won't say her name. Uh, <laughs> we'll call her Betty. I'm, right, Betty's I'm, I'm at a bar in Long Island City. They were doing an unlimited brunch, and I had been drinking for like the past two hours, just hand over fist. <laughs> drinking, drinking, drinking. And I'm wasted off my guard. It was the day Philip Seymour Hoffman died. Oh, yeah. uh, so all my friend was thinking about was who was going to replace him in the Hunger Games films. Uh-huh. That's, he was literally yelling about this at the top of his lungs. And I was like, there are probably people actually mourning right now. About the death of Philip Seymour Hoffman, the great character actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And you're worried about the Hunger Games. (laughs) So I'm trying to, like, make my friend stop screaming about Hunger Games. And I'm leaving this bar. And I just hear from behind me, Zach Rich! And I turn over, and there's Betty. And I'm drunk, and she's gorgeous. And I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) oh, no. And I go over, and I hug her, and I mumble something about phone numbers. I check to make sure I still have her. So I go, I'll text you. Bye. (laughs) And I ran away. Smooth. The, yeah, it was smooth. It was very smooth. <laughs> but a good example. But a good example. It's, it's crazy who you run into in the city. So you guys end up in New York. How did Ophelia establish itself in New York? Well, we it was interesting. We kind of got to work right away because because so many of us moved out at the same time, we were all in the exact same boat. We we were scrambling to find jobs, apartments, etc. But we also wanted to get going on what we came out to do, which was to perform. And we found a little place, again, on Dittmar's, called the Waltz Astoria. And they were like this great big coffee shop, basically. And they had a little stage with a mini grand piano on it. And they sold beer and wine and coffee. And it was a really great little venue. And they had a lot of live music that would come and and perform there. John Hoffman and I actually uh, went in there and we started talking to the owner and just thought, hey, this might be a fun little spot to start. So we did our first production there, and it was uh, a collection of sketches that we just, we kind of wrote by committee Mm -hmm. and uh, rehearsed in each other's apartments, and it was called the Heavy Petting Zoo. I mean, I had flashbacks to when I first started Ophelia when we did that show, because there was a performance when I think we were performing to one actual person who was there to see the show and not Mm. just there to to grab a cup of coffee right (laughs) and then you know there was like 12 of us (laughs) it was just a good thing it was such a big cast in that particular case because otherwise there'd be no one laughing we were laughing at ourselves so that worked out okay how long were you guys in new york until the current kind of structure of ophelia seasons kind of took root right okay now this i would probably have to double check with eric because basically... Former I, I artistic director Eric Ryder. Yes, former artistic director Eric Ryder. There's so many proper nouns in this that people will be like, we get it, you're friends. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm not even thinking about that right now. 
we continue to do things like, I mean, we did uh, the Heavy Petting Zoo. Actually, we did that a couple of times at that same venue. And then we did another original of mine, and we rented out the Secret Theater for that. And that was a lot of fun. And then we did a couple in the city, just rented a small white box in the in the uh, the city. And Eric was in was getting more and more involved. And finally, he, he asked if he could have lunch and talk about Ophelia. And I was like, yeah, sure. So we met in the city and he basically sat me down and said, I really want to get more involved. I have all of these ideas. He told me exactly what he was hungry for, the kinds of things that he thought Ophelia was capable of. And he was ready to put on the artistic director hat, which up until then, that had always just been me. I had been just everything at the the top. All the hats. I mean, John Hoffman's always been with me as far as helping keep the wheels on the wagon. Sure, sure. But as far as artistic director slash executive director slash stage manager slash costume designer slash slash slash, that was mostly me doing all of that stuff on my own. And so the idea of having more forces really come on and help develop it was appealing to me. And because Eric is somebody that I have known since he was in middle school and an incredibly driven, reliable creative, intelligent person. And so I thought, you know, if I'm going to trust anybody to take this thing to the next level, it's going to be Eric. We started brainstorming on seasons and he's actually the one who walked into that boys and girls club and asked if they had any space to rent basically. Mm-hmm. And he, and it was because of him that we were able to to start the arrangement that we have with them to this yeah. day. Yeah, for for the uninitiated, we operate out of the Boys and Girls Club of Queens. We basically took their dance studio and turned it into, like, painted it down, cleaned it up, moved all the trash out of there. And I say we, I don't think I was with the company when you guys actually did that, but I'm part of it now. Uh, (laughs) we, We turned it from, like, this dumpy little studio, I say dumpy in the loosest terms, to like the clean, pristine space where we've done performances for the last four right. years now. We, we designed and we hung a lighting grid and we designed and hung curtaining and purchased a piano and basically turned it into yeah. a, a functioning performance space. A very DIY process. Yes. Um, <laughs> so if you think you can't find a space, you can find them in the most unlikely of places. Because I have friends that come out and I tell them, yeah, the show's in the Boys and Girls Club. And they go, oh, so it's going to be like in a auditorium where like the kids have lunch and it's like no it's a legitimate black box space and Mm -hmm. so i I guess unassuming from the outside but once you come in especially with what we do with the atmosphere i I think uh oh yeah it seems nice yeah it seems very nice yes i think so let's talk a bit about you as a playwright because obviously so you were saying before like that's how you got your start and then since we've been in new york especially with the current seasonal method you've had three plays you've written produced yeah, uh, in Fox New York. and Boulder, the Seagull adaptation, and then oh, I guess no, a four if you count the Seagull adaptation, of course. So four, yeah. So the first one that I did was called uh, the Cast Party, a Survival Story, and that was the one that we did at the Secret Theater before Eric came on. I don't think I know that show. I that don't much. think you do. Is yeah. it? Is it? It's. I want to say it's like the Pajama Game mixed with Lord of the Flies. <laughs> That's what I'm praying it is right now. Well, now I really can't wait for you to read it. <laughs> um, well, it's because it's not. <laughs> uh, I had to write something that was. That that took from all my experience at cast parties because you run a theater company for X amount of years, you're going right. to be at a lot right. of cast, you have parties. cast parties, and yes. and especially like you have a, a lot of colorful personalities. A lot of stuff goes down at cast parties too. So that that show was just a fun kind of comedy and like a it was a very exaggerated take on 
how crazy cast parties can get. But that that was before Eric came on. Once Eric came on and we started performing at the the Boys and Girls Club, uh, yes, we had um, uh, the Fox and Boulder, the Seagull adaptation, and Some Night most Some, recently. Yeah. Yes. What's your process as a writer? You know, uh, usually... Because you, you tend to rely... I won't say rely, but you like to adapt things. Is there, like, a specific thing you're looking for when you're thinking of things to adapt? Do you pull from, like, specific instances in your life when you're trying to infuse new... Because I know that Some Night was a deeply personal show for you. Yes, it was. And, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, in your uh, in your experience, you've seen a lot of things that have been somewhat adapted. I mean, Some Night was uh, inspired by A Midsummer Night's Dream. Seagull was a straight-up adaptation, but I didn't even volunteer to do that. Eric actually talked me into it. Oh, really? And that that was my very first adaptation ever, and I really enjoyed doing it, but it was the first time I had ever done it. I usually, you are correct in that, I usually take some uh, inspiration from stories that I have loved in the past, or even movies or television shows that I've loved in the past, atmospheres and settings and characters that spark my imagination. Yeah, yeah. And characters are usually where I start. Actually, what I, where the very beginning is usually just a spark of inspiration, something that makes me feel imaginative. Um, with Some Night, for instance, I had this idea of a bookshop that was converted into a music venue and people arguing over the space. That was just the basic idea that I had. And then the characters started coming to life. And mm-hmm. then the concept of A Midsummer Night's Dream came in and then the characters started getting developed. Uh, plot's usually the last thing that, that comes in for me as far as actually putting pen to paper. Sure. But yeah, char- I have to fall in love with the characters because what happens is for me, once the characters start getting really fleshed out, they really take on a life of their own. And it's really bizarre. I mean, and I could sound like a crazy person even saying this, but it really is weird how sometimes I get to a point with a character and they're making decisions for me. I'll have an outline that I think I'm going to be following and then I get halfway through the process and I realize that the second half of my outline isn't even usable because these characters will never behave that way. And I think you've even told me stuff about that before. I remember you and I had a discussion during some night where Rob and Faye, who were kind of the main characters of the story, were originally just kind of these background characters that just gained more and more prominence as you kept writing them. It's crazy how that happens. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's fascinating that, especially with Ophelia's model being character above concept, story above all else, your focus on character is definitely shown within your works uh, as somebody that's somewhat familiar with them. It, it's, it's very enlightening to hear that you value character before you come up with, like, the full overarching plot, which is how do these people behave in this world? Because your characters are very fleshed out in their attitudes and behaviors, and the things that happen to them, I guess, come second in the thought process for you? Yeah, well, it's almost as though I want them to weigh in on it. So until I have them done, I don't decide what they're going to do because I want them to have a say in it. Okay, I like that. (laughs) I like that a lot. A kind of multifaceted personality. Right. (laughs) I love it. Let's talk a bit about the future of the company. Because we're going into this year's season. Last season was this kind of whirlwind of change going on with the company between Somebody Disappeared, Had a Gabbler, Some Night, and then Your Alice. I know that we're really riding high on the success of Your Alice, and there's a couple of things that might be in the works with the show. What we've got going on this season, can you tell me anything much about the season because i believe by the time this goes out uh we'll have the one x festival fully announced and that will be in the production and everything but what are we kind of looking at now that we have all this change going on in the company bringing on billy akintyres as a new artistic director everything that's going on 
Yeah, well, basically, this year, I, I had made the, the very conscious choice of having fewer main stage productions this year, mainly because we had, as much as we had a mass exodus of from California back in 2011, we had a, kind of a mini one out of New York this right, year, right. where we lost, you know, four key members of our, our company, five and six, actually, now that I think about it, yeah. people actually moving. Everyone's off having babies now. Yeah. No time for the art. No kidding. So um, anyway, I knew it was going to put us in a position where we were going to have to do some rebuilding a little bit. So sure. I wanted to give us room to do that. What we're kicking off with is a new play festival, which I'm excited about because that's going to be able to do a few things for us. It's going to be able to get a lot of our people who have been wanting to direct for a while directing. It's going to get some original work out there in the universe and I found that especially in New York, Ophelia has done well with original work. People in this neighborhood Astoria in particular really respond to original work which as a playwright I'm very grateful for. Sure. So I want to encourage that as much as possible. It's going to create an opportunity for us to bring in other artists that we have not yet worked with. It's going to create opportunities for some of our actors who maybe don't get cast as often as they would like to play which i think is important i you know i think that it's really imperative that everyone who's involved in this company feels like they get their turn to do what they want to do so i'm really excited about that and it's going to be a really effective way to keep us active in the community to let people who know who we are let people see our space which we are very proud of for good reason and at the same time it's going to create an atmosphere where everybody is sharing the load we're kind of training a whole new group of people on the administrative end of things, which is going to be great. Because it's Ophelia just a strength next mess. generation. Exactly, exactly. So it'll keep us nice and strong for what for what's coming after. That's really exciting. And can you tease us with anything that'll be happening going into the end of 2017 and beyond? Well, the end of 2017 and beyond, you know, at this point, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Space is always an issue. Right now, we have a wonderful relationship with the Boys and Girls Club, and we want to continue to foster that and to grow. They might have some big changes coming up in the future as mm -hmm. far as their building and so on and so forth. So as long as they're there, it looks like we're going to have a home with them. So I, I feel pretty good about that. But I have found that one of the most important things as a theater company, one of the things, to be honest, that's kept us alive for so long is the fact that we are adaptable. So all I can say for sure as far as past 2017 is that we're still going to be around and we're still going to be making theater. I love hearing that. <laughs> so it's a big old stay tuned then. <laughs> Absolutely. you got to keep people wanting more. Well... I can't wait for it. I want to thank you so much for your time being here today. Is there anything else you want to say? Oh, I just want to thank you, Zach. This has been a very pleasant way to pass some time and to go down memory lane a little bit. Fantastic. Well, the One Act Festival will be starting at the end of this month. There's a bunch of other things going on. You can check out all the information on the Ophelia Theatre Group at ophelia-theater-group.net. My name is Zach Rich with Sarah Bennett. This has been Ophelia Talks. Thank <laughs> you.